What's up, podcast listeners? I am very excited about this episode because I uploaded my strength training for runners presentation that I just gave at the Vancouver Run Summit. And I thought this would be perfect for a um, podcast episode. So I will actually post the video with all the slides and everything like that in the show notes so you can check it out. And without further ado, here is my presentation for strength training for runners. All right, everyone, let's get this thing started. My name is Rafael Matuszewski, and my name is super, super complicated. I'm sorry. Um, But my topic today is strength training for runners. And we're going to kind of go through what I do, who I am first, and then we're going to get into all the nitty gritty and good stuff. So you can see on this first slide a couple things. I do a lot. So Restore Rehab and Wellness is the clinic that I work out of. I work alongside a fantastic chiropractor, Dr. Sarah Forster, and we've created a amazing duo for chiropractic care where we combine rehab and treatment together. And then on the right-hand side there, I also train out of a gym called Aura Fitness and Yoga that is within the same building as Restore, where I still personal train some clients and also lead a mentorship for all the coaches there. And last but not least, I have my own fitness podcast called Cut the Shit, Get Fit. It's been running for almost four years now. Uh, I started it to reach as many people as possible, to give them good advice on fitness and health, nutrition, training, mental health, you name it, I have it on my show. It first started as a project of interviewing so many other different fitness professionals in the industry, and then now it's kind of evolved with just me rambling like I am right now. So, who am I? This guy. Um, I usually tend to take photos like this. This is like my stance. But uh, actually, this was at a award ceremony put on by Impact Magazine as this year for 2020, I've won one of the top fitness professionals in Canada. Super, super humbling experience to be nominated in the first place and to win it is the most amazing feeling in the world. So shout out to Impact Magazine for making that happen. Um, so, like I said earlier, my name is Rafael Machuszewski. A lot of people have no idea how to say my last name, so I usually break it up into kind of like what you would see in a uh, dictionary where we break up my last name into Matt to Shevsky. I know that SZ just throws a lot of people off. Um, I've been coaching for 10 years, so I have a decade, a decade of um, experience under my belt and the timeline of all that kind of goes as this. Um, It all started in high school. I was overweight, over 200 pounds. Um, Had to get out of that. I just didn't feel the best person I could be. So I dug down deep and literally changed my life and ended up dropping uh, 60 pounds over the course of three months. Uh, came back to school, everyone was like, how did you do it? And I had one person come up to me and say, uh, and told me that I needed to train them. And that's where I clicked in. Then right away, got certified as a personal trainer, 
from there, got an internship with the BC Lions with their strength and conditioning coach. Then I got my first job uh, as a coach at Steve Nash Fitness World, which absolutely sucked because I uh, had to do sales and that whole business was based on as many people as you can get in. Um, from there, I moved over into a company called Innovative Fitness, um, which was more of a personal training studio, boutique kind of style, um, and learned a lot, got mentored by the uh, owners, and I was even at a point about to open and franchise an Innovative Fitness um, but then I decided to go on my own and open up my own gym and um, did that for about three years and then uh, moved over to Aura, um, which is an 8,000 square foot facility that includes a fitness studio, a spin studio, yoga studio, child care, and our clinic. Um, and I've been working for both Aura and Restore um, for three years now. Man, that goes by quick. Um, and I kind of dabble with everything from the training side to the rehab side and also running the social media channels for both companies, which keeps me really, really busy. And then on top of that, I'm an online coach, so I also train clients online. I've been doing that for six or seven years now, like I said before, also podcaster, um, and overall cheesecake lover. All right, now let's kind of get into the more training stuff, because I can talk about myself forever. Um, my whole philosophy on training, there is a lot of phrases I've stolen from other fitness professionals that I believe in wholeheartedly. Um, and the first one is rehab equals training, training equals rehab, which was said by uh, Dr. Charlie Weingroff. Uh, I have a huge influence from physiotherapists and chiropractors that are in the strength and conditioning world where they kind of blend that um, kind of gray area where people are kind of in that rehab setting. They don't know if they should go back to the gym and they just kind of mesh those things together. So I kind of look at that saying is like, you know, rehab is training and training is rehab. Like it makes sense to me. You know, rehab is not doing banded exercises for your shoulder. It's literally training, but smart. Um, another saying by um, Greg Cook, who's a physiotherapist who created the functional movement screen is move well and move often. Again, another example of like what our body should be doing and what we should be focusing on. Um, and then I personally believe in this, lift heavy shit. Like, there's something to be said that when you can lift a barbell off the ground that is twice your body weight, triple your body weight, and you can do that with great form, you're a pretty resilient human being. And I believe that, because I've been doing this for 10 years, is making people move really well and then challenging that movement with weight. And... You know, I have multiple clients that have been with me for years and not once have they injured themselves where they, you know, had a flared low back because they tried to pick up their kid or grab 13 grocery bags all at the same time. Like, I feel that the way I train and coach has a good blend and a good um, kind of outcome measure when it comes to being pain-free in our everyday life. Um, and lastly, like, move daily. Like, our bodies are designed for movement. The moment we stop moving, bad things tend to happen, a.k.a., you know, 
tight hips, tight whatever, tight this, tight that. And we're going to explore all these kind of philosophies of training that comes into my mind and how I look at training as we go through this presentation. All right. Um, so what is strength training? You know, um, a lot of people will look at things like bodybuilding. And by the way, I have a lot of these like memes and gifts and things like that throughout the presentation. So feel free to laugh along as I show you my lame jokes. Um, you know, some people think it's this, you know, um, is it CrossFit? Is it high intensity training? Is it lifting weight over my head constantly? Is it, you know, functional training like this where you balance on stuff and hopefully you don't fall over? Like, what is, you know, the definition of strength training? And, like, when I was putting this presentation together, I didn't, like, okay, I'm going to Google, like, what it is. Like, I started really thinking about it. So for me, like, strength training is movement competency with added or variable load accompanied by um, adequate volume. So when I look at that, like... Can someone squat properly without looking like a melted candle every single rep? If that's a yes, they can squat without looking like that. Then it's like, now let's add a load. And now your body can adapt to those stresses, right? Um, when I look at also building upon that of adding more volume to adjust to the stress, because our body adjusts to stress every single day. And if we don't challenge our stress just a little bit more in, you know, typical strength training um, scenario when you go to the gym, then you don't see any changes. But those changes can only happen if you have the movement competency. Because a lot of times what happens is that you hit a ceiling effect and you're now barbell back squatting, but your squat still looks like a melted candle. And in order for you to progress, you can't do any more reps or any more weight because your form is the thing that's keeping you back right and that's how I kind of look at strength training and you know I think a lot of times people go into these presentations um, asking like not asking but almost expecting to like see the research of the benefits of exercise but I think all of us know for the most part of the presenters in this whole uh, um, summit and all the people interested like we all know exercise is good for us we all know that it, you know, builds better cardiovascular health, it builds better bone density, it builds more muscle tone, it builds more this and this and this. Like, we know the benefits. Like, I don't think we need to, like, hammer this thing over and over and over again because at this point, I think we all know. Um, so now that we kind of have this idea of what strength training is and that exercise is good for you, where does this fall along runners and I get this question all the time what sport specific exercise should I do I think almost every single person has asked that question like you know I'm a runner I'm a sprinter I do long distance I play football hockey whatever what sport specific exercises should I do and it's a valid question but when you start looking at it I kind of fall into this whole you know, there's not really a, anything that is sport-specific because all exercise gives you benefit. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, if I'm a hockey player, maybe I should do exercises that look like a stride of, um, you know, a hockey player doing ice skating. Sure, you can go down that route, but 
if you have a, say, amateur hockey player that is playing or practicing every single day of the week, I'm pretty sure all their muscles in their groin and adductor region is probably pretty banged up and overused in practice. So why would you want to go into the gym and do that more? Why not work on the muscles that are not being used or being super tight or being, you know, aggravated? Like that makes more sense. That makes it more sport specific in my opinion, right? Like I kind of fall along the lines of my training philosophy of what I said earlier and what kind of makes sense to me. And if I explain this to a everyday Joe and I say something like that, there you go, oh yeah, that does make sense. I don't have to do more movements that replicate a running stride or whatever it is. Um, so what's sports specific training then? That's kind of like the next question. So for me, when I look at this, because I love getting questions from clients or people that are interested in strength training. And let's like, I almost like go on this journey with them together. Like I'm like, let's figure this out together. And I'm going to show you in my slides, like how we kind of come to that point. So for me, the first thing I do is I look at the demand of the sport. So this next little picture here is, um, a bunch of runners and you can tell that these are pretty um, high-end athletes you know they all utilize proper stride mechanics like I'm not even a expert in running strides but when I look at this photo and I think the most people that are watching this they can look at this photo of these runners and go like yeah that's some good form and here's the other thing by the way, this is a tangent. I do this all the time, but I feel like it's a good thing. Um, when you go into a gym and say you're watching, people watching, I love doing this in big public gyms, and you see someone in the corner doing an exercise that you can't quite pinpoint what it is exactly, but your face is like, all confused and you still can't figure out what it is and you're you can't say like oh that's probably wrong because you're not sure but you have that gut feeling like yeah that that looks like it's gonna hurt that person tomorrow right we have this intuitive nature when it comes to body mechanics and movement so then when we see another person doing something that doesn't seem right you kind of know that it's not right so kind of Here's another example. You go to a wedding and you're on the dance floor and you see Billy Bob or Uncle John in the corner doing his thing and you're like, wow, that is not dancing. That is something else that I can't describe. That's kind of like what I'm kind of coming back with this photo. Like when you look at that, you're like, yep, that's a runner. Like that's what, uh, that's what a runner looks like. But then when you look at something like this, you right away know that is not what a runner is supposed to look like. Like nowhere near does that form produce the amount of power and endurance you need to be successful as a runner. So now you kind of go back to um, that first picture and you ask yourself, okay, well, like what do I need for adequate for an adequate like running stride, like 
if you had to like put yourself in your running shoes and you're about to go for a sprint or for a long run, like what do I need in order to perform um, the stride properly? So I kind of look at a couple things. I look at does the person have enough mobility that's involved in running? Do they have enough strength? Do they have enough power to produce while running? Do they have enough stability? Do they have enough endurance? So when I look at that, um, I started thinking, okay, well, what sport-specific, and air quotes again, exercise for runners would look like, right? Um, Then that goes into a whole nother, I guess I'm going to also go into another tangent, but... um, I'm a huge follower of Mike Boyle when it comes to training athletes, right? If you really think about every single sport that is done on the face of the earth, it is done on one leg. The only thing I can think of that is not done on one leg is probably darts, if you call that a sport. But um, if you look at things like, again, running, which is our topic today, hockey, basketball, football, every sport is always on one leg transferring over to the other. And one time I've done a presentation like this before about single leg training and someone like told me like, hey, what about golf? You're on two feet. Yes, you are on two feet, but you have a weight transfer from one side to the next leg as you rotate and pivot on that back foot. So you do technically are on two feet, but the weight transfer counts as one-legged um, power. Um, so, when it comes to single-leg training, it makes sense, right? Like, runners don't have both feet on the ground, and then they start. They usually have one foot in front of the other in their start stance, and then they go and push off to have their first stride. And that continuous... Um, stride back and forth left foot right foot left foot right foot is the entire run the entire sport so it almost makes more sense to utilize one-legged exercises to become really efficient at it so then when you do run it becomes even easier and you can produce more strength and more power and whatever it is that you want to do if you're a short distance runner or a long distance runner um So what sport-specific exercise am I kind of leaning towards then? And I start thinking, and this has kind of like been a joke this past year with the chiropractor I work, is the single leg deadlift. Like, when you really think about it, this exercise is like the holy grail of single leg exercises. Almost every single person that we've seen in the clinic, we always go back to this joke, like, if this person got really efficient at single leg deadlifting, all their issues would be gone. So when you start breaking down the single leg deadlift, you're looking at foot stability, ankle stability, knee stability, hip stability, low back stability, hamstring strength, adductor strength, glute strength, grip strength, shoulder stability, all in one exercise. And when you think about it, like, if I can get someone balancing in the first place on one leg with movement, that's a huge win. And then imagine loading it with a contralateral load, meaning the weight is on the opposite side of the working leg. So in the photo here, 
you see this woman doing a contralateral deadlift. So now that weight is pulling you off balance on purpose, and now all those things that I just said earlier have to work twice as hard. Now imagine if I got a runner that has never strength trained before. I got them really efficient at this exercise to a point where they're holding like a 55-pound dumbbell on that other hand. I would assume, and I would almost bet that that person's running would improve. I would bet you that if they decided to run another half marathon after mastering this exercise for say six months, I would not be shocked if their time went down or their recovery is faster than before, right? So when you look at this exercise, it is working on single leg, um, strength but so many other things and this is where I kind of look at the body as like one um, one kind of unit and not just parts because a lot of times people will go to the gym and go like oh it's my leg day I'm going to do calves and hamstrings but really all those two muscles those calves and hamstrings are connected to so many other things that influence each other. It's kind of like a domino effect in order for you to take a step forward so many things have to happen in your body so when I choose an exercise like the single leg deadlift, your body almost works together as one symphony, right? And it's like a beautiful thing to see someone hammer out single leg deadlifts like nobody's business, right? But most of the time when I put people into that single leg deadlift for the first time, they're all over the place. They have no idea how to control their body and they kind of look like Bambi on ice. So when you get really, really really efficient at the single leg deadlift and other single leg exercises imagine not stumbling while trying to hold your balance on one leg and getting really efficient at that and then now you're going back to the track or on the road to run your long run and you have that in your back pocket like you're going to be laughing at how fast you can run or how you um, fast you can recover so now going into some more sport specific exercises. So I'm a huge fan of half kneeling exercises. And the reason being is that with a half kneeling position where um, you have one knee down and one leg up in front, and I'll play a video in a second, but it helps promote better hip and core stability, better positioning of the pelvic floor and diaphragm, better glute activation, reduces the tone in your hip flexors and your lumbar region, and better control for transfer of power from your hips to your upper extremities. And that works really, really well for runners especially because when you think of a running stride, when your left leg goes forward, your right arm counterbalances that. So the amount of pressure that your left leg's pushing into the ground, your right arm like the left leg will transfer through the hip all the way across your shoulder into your opposite hand into that diagonal pattern, right? That's why when you see sprinters running the 100-meter um, dash, they're pumping their arms like crazy because the amount of force they're generating from their opposite foot is massive. So they have to transfer that energy somehow. So with all that being said, an exercise like this where I have, in this case, my right knee down and that left foot in front, um, because I have the, you can use the cable machine in this one, but I'm using a band. Um, as I'm coming across the body, so this is half a kneeling cable lift, 
as I put the tension across from my body, that band is trying to pull me back to where the anchor is. And now my right hip that's working in that um, exercise has to work really, really, really hard to stabilize myself from falling over. And then a simple trick, like this looks super simple, but that front foot, if I take it closer to my midline, it challenges my hip even more, right? I'm, I'm making my base of support a lot smaller. And exercises like this is a staple in all my clients' programs, and I feel like this is kind of like the missing link for a lot of people. And here's another example, like all those things that I said about the single leg deadlift, sometimes when I train people, a body weight single leg deadlift is way too advanced for them and they can't get the benefit because they're wobbling all over. I put them in a half kneel stance and practice movements like this and I'm indirectly working all those things I mentioned before as a regression. Now, another half kneeling exercise is something called the kettlebell halo. So you can see how I moved my foot in closer to my midline. And now, being in that tall um, half kneel position, as I'm moving the kettlebell around back and forth, it's forcing my center of mass to move back and forth, and I have to fight really hard to keep my position. So I am squeezing my glute, and as I switch over, you'll see that back foot, the toe is digging down into the ground to get more glute activation to help me stabilize. And as I am going back and forth, my core also has to stabilize. So all those things play a huge role when you run. You need a strong, strong glutes, strong um, hip stabilizers, and strong core muscles in order to produce the movement, especially at the pelvis. Now, the next thing, this is where you can get creative. Like half kneeling exercises, you can use everything. Like so, in this case, I'm using a cable machine to do a half kneeling press. So whatever knee is down. I'm using the same arm to press, and because of the way the exercise is set up, is the moment as I come back, my whole body's trying to push me towards the cable machine, but now again, my hip, my core, my shoulder stabilizers all have to work together to make the movement happen. Um, and again, you can do overhead pressing, you can do so many other things like face pulls, you just, you name it, like find an exercise and try to see if you can do it in a half kneeling position and you'd be surprised how much more difficult it is because that's the other thing too. Like say your traditional bodybuilding style type of person that likes to go to the gym and do dumbbell shoulder presses, you might after a couple reps start feeling a strain in your low back because you're constantly pressing and arching being in a half kneel position is going to be very difficult to cheat and arch. So you're actually kind of bulletproofing and safe proofing your body from um, further injury. All right, what do we got next? All right, here is a example of a hip mobility exercise that um, everyone really needs to do, but for runners especially. So this is called a hip car. So a car is an abbreviation for controlled articular rotations. So essentially what I'm doing is moving my hip through all the ranges of motion that it's designed to do. Again, like how I said before, if you move daily, our, our bodies are designed to move. The moment you stop, bad things happen. So as I'm moving my hip through all the ranges it's designed to, I'm feeding it 
nutrients and uh, synovial fluid, all the things a joint needs to like function better. So you're almost kind of like lubricating your joints and building up the integrity of it. And when you think of the running stride, you need adequate hip external, internal extension and flexion um, at that hip complex in order to run properly without any kind of compensation. And now we're going back to my first or second slide talking about movement competency before you add strength training. So this is a great exercise to do before your runs, after your runs, on recovery days, part of your warm-up, whatever it is. Um, here's another variation. So you can do it in other positions. So in a um, hand and knee position, I'm leaning against the wall. So now I can't cheat whatsoever. And this also creates a little bit more uh, core stability. And you can also do this in a standing position. But I find that the first one and this one kind of breaks down the barriers of any kind of cheating or any kind of weird stuff that our bodies tend to do. Um, what else we got here? Um, so now this kind of goes into uh, hip mobility. Um, it is such a vital thing for runners. Um, runners need proper hip dissociation during the stride, which means having adequate hip external and internal rotations uh, of the hip. So external rotation, I'll show you an example. So in this video, I'm putting my body into a 90-90 position, and that front leg is in external rotation. What I'm doing here is I'm holding the position for two minutes, and as you can see, this is um, sped up a lot. Um, as I'm driving down into the ground, I'm pushing my knee and ankle down into the ground, which is called a pales contraction. Here's another example of a hip external rotation uh, exercise called a bear sit. So now I'm holding, going over to the other side, and same thing. I'm going to find a stretch in my hip at the 90-90 position. After a two-minute mark, I'm pushing my knee and ankle down into the ground as an isometric contraction. And then after, I'm also doing a rails contraction, meaning I'm pulling my leg up. I'm going to show another example for hip internal rotation. So here I'm lying on my back. I place my hip into not only flexion, but also internal rotation. And it says right there, I'm holding it for two minutes at my kind of end range of my hip. My pales contraction will be my heel pushing against the dowel, and then I'm making sure the dowel doesn't, you know, give at all. And that essentially sends an isometric signal to the hip joint itself. And a lot of times when you do a contraction like that isometrically, your nervous system kind of gives you a little bit more range of motion. And you'll see in the video, it gives me a little bit more range, and right away I take it. Because the moment you keep asking your uh, nervous system for more range of motion, eventually it's going to listen and then give it to you. Because essentially when you go stretch your hamstrings and you feel that initial feeling of tightness, that's your nervous system saying like, whoa, 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 pump the brakes. Like you can't go beyond that point. But there's ways to trick it. So you see at the end of the video that I ended up gaining a lot more range. So after that pales contraction, which is an abbreviation for 
progressive angular isometric loading, which is a whole nother presentation, um, I take my new acquired range and then I do something called rails, which is the opposite, which is a regressive angular isometric loading. Um, so then from there with my new range, I'm essentially just trying to get a little bit more. So I'm pushing, um, I'm actually trying to lift my foot off the dowel to again, attack the hip joint at the regressive side of the angle. Again, whole nother presentation on flexibility training and things like that, but these are little snippets and a lot of this information is posted on all my social media, which we'll get to at the very end, but a lot of fascinating stuff when it comes to building resilient bodies through th something called the FRC and Kin Stretch, which we'll cover on something else. All right, now, with all that being said, how does a runner strength program actually look like? And almost every question I get about anything related about training is it always starts with, it depends. Now, depending on your weekly volume of running plays a huge part on how your program looks. Your training age, meaning say you're a person who's never stepped into the gym and they wanna now start working out. That plays a huge role in someone's program compared to someone that's been working out for the last 10 years. That essentially tells me whether or not they can take a lot of volume, which if you're a long distance runner is huge. And if you are experienced enough and more body aware of how your body moves. So exercise selection comes into the play. And with that being said, kind of it determines um, how your kind of program will look like. So here's kind of an example. So say you are a long distance runner, you're doing three um, runs a week, one long, one temple, one hill. When I look at someone like that, I will usually give them a two to three days a week of a strength program. Now, that being said, it all depends on your training volume. So say you are an ultra marathon runner and you're running like 60 kilometers a week. I would even consider maybe dropping you down to one time a week for strength training just because of the amount of volume and sheer you know, energy expenditure because now you got to think about how much energy you're expending per week that maybe you going to the gym to hit heavy weights is actually going to make you worse, right? You have to kind of find that happy medium where you're not trashing your body too much. So how would a runner's workout look like? I put together a little example here. So this would be like a sample workout, a workout A. So set number one, we're kind of going with the stuff that we chatted about earlier. So that first set, we have a half kneeling anti-rotation press, which was really similar to that chop, but all we're doing is taking that cable or band, pressing in front of us and coming back in in that half kneeling position. The second exercise, part of the superset, is a bird dog, which again, focuses on shoulder stability, low back stability, hip stability, and a cross diagonal pattern, which makes it more sports specific. And again, air quotes for a runner, which is all cross diagonal patterns uh, when you run. 
Um, and again, bird dogs, if you know what it is, you probably think it's the most easiest exercise ever, but I can guarantee you whatever you're doing for your bird dog right now, you're doing it completely wrong because every time I get someone in the clinic or in the gym for the first time and I'm like, okay, we're going to go um, do some bird dogs and they're like, oh, this one's super easy. But the way I coach it, you feel what you're supposed to feel. It's probably the most butchered exercise in history and is one of the ones that every rehab professional gives, but they blow it when it comes to the coaching. Moving on. Set number two, single leg deadlift. Who would have thought? I spent like half the time of this presentation talking about it. There it is. Um, TRX rows. So the TRX row is probably the one of the best posterior chain exercises out there for runners and everyday people. So if you look at the average person, you wake up, you sit in a car for 45 minutes, drive to work, and then you go into your desk and you sit there for eight to 10 hours, and then you go back in your car and drive home for another hour sitting. Then you come home and you sit down to eat dinner, and then you finish off the night sitting, watching Netflix, and maybe go for a run. Multiply that five times uh, in a week, you're sitting a lot. And now your shoulders are probably coming forward because you're always on that laptop, phone, whatever it is. It almost makes more sense to work on all those postural muscles that are going to keep you upright. And then now if you are a runner, when you're tired, what happens? Your shoulders tend to sag forward and you're just like trying to get through your freaking long run. You're like, man, this is agonizing. So utilizing a lot of back exercises are going to help that and there's a reason why the third exercise is a cable rope face pull which is another pulling exercise so i have two pulling exercises to help with all those postural muscles because again pulling power is huge for runners moving on dumbbell split squats here's another example of single leg exercises so we're going back to what I was saying about the single leg deadlift. If you are a runner or any person that plays any sport, single leg training is going to be vital to your success. And there's so many different variations. And if you have trouble trying to figure out what you want to achieve with that, again, I have so many resources online, which we will get through at the end. So don't worry. Hang tight. Number two, a single arm dumbbell bench press. Again, if you are an athlete, it makes sense to train one arm and one leg. If we're going back to the running example, the moment you step your left leg forward, your right arm comes in front. You're a cross-diagonal pattern position, human being, whatever it is. Um, you want to train your body unilateral compared to bilateral. And then same thing, we're doing a single arm cable row. We're going back to that cross diagonal pattern again. And most of the time when I get people doing this exercise, I have their left leg in front, right leg back, and then right hand in front to do the rowing exercise. So that is a sample runner specific, runner exercise specific workout for someone. And funny enough, like I would give this to Steve, the accountant that's 43 years old, that doesn't work out at all. Like this program could be for an elite runner because all these things are going to focus on the stuff that they're not good at. And if I take the same program and gave it to a general population person that doesn't do any exercise, they're going to find it challenging too. So hopefully all of that made some sense. 
when it comes to sport-specific strength training for runners. Like, I kind of try to, you know, explain any kind of training methodology as simple as possible. Like, I wanted you guys to kind of take away, like, some actionable steps. Like, all right, what did that guy talk about? Single leg deadlift. I'm going to start doing those. Single leg training. I'm going to start doing those. Like, that's all it is. Like, get really, really good and efficient on one leg and guaranteed your sport's going to be... Your, your sport, and any sport, really, is going to improve. Um, so that's all the time I have. I know I'm over, but that's okay. Um, so, guys, I want to thank you for listening to me ramble. Like, I could go for a couple more hours on this whole topic. Um, but I brought up a lot of stuff that I literally just skimmed the surface. Like, the whole mobility section on pails, rails, cars, those things. I put out so much content online so I highly recommend you follow me on Instagram, which is Cut the Shit Get Fit Podcast. You'll find me super quickly because I don't think anyone has that name. Um, I post two to three times daily on mobility training, strength training, everything that we kind of covered. Like it's always kind of resurfacing. Add me on Facebook, Rafael Matuszewski. I think I'm the only one there. And really, kind of the holy grail of all of this. Um, is my ebook that I actually released um, almost a year ago called the Ironclad Body Training System. So all the stuff that I spoke about today for runners, I apply a lot of it to how I train my clients. And essentially this book is that. So what you get in this book is one, an assessment. So the moment you do a self-assessment, and in this video there's um, not this video, in this book, you have over 200 exercise tutorials and 200 um, exercises of videos like demonstrations and descriptions and a program to follow. So when you purchase this book, um, you'll get a program to follow, but the program is dictated by the assessment. So when you do the assessment, it's 12 movements, pass or fail, and that will determine what version of the program you do and I basically have a beginner an intermediate and a, an advanced version of this program and as you follow along say you started a beginner now you can move on to the intermediate because your movement probably improved and then you go to the third advanced version and now you have programming I think if you do all uh, 3F you'll have um, nine months worth of programming from just one book and the cool thing, like when I release this, this is not being sold only here in Canada, but in the States, in the UK, in um, Germany, Singapore, uh, Australia, and there's another country that I always forget. It'll come back to me, but I highly, highly, highly recommend you guys check this out. So if you go to ironcladbody.com, it'll give you all the information about... Um, the book, what it does, what you get, and for today, I actually, for all you guys who registered, I slashed my price of my book by 50%, so 100%, go check out ironcladbodytrainingsystem.com. Um, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out on my social media. Um, I'm always happy to spend time to educate as many people as possible. 
I want to thank you again for taking the time to listen to me ramble. You guys are amazing. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Until next time, you guys. So that's going to wrap up this special edition of the podcast with my um, presentation for the Run Summit here in Vancouver. If you guys have any further questions about the presentation, feel free to reach out. And, And again, check out the show notes to hit the link for the actual video of the presentation so you can see all the video demonstrations, photos, and all the funny gifts and things like that. Um, share this podcast with your friends and family. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You guys are amazing until next time you guys.